Where are we starting? Are we we're going to start on uh, Sorry, go ahead. Um uh, So, I don't know what I have the most to say about. <laughs> so, I, I'm going to say this was all smooth sailing. All all four mm-hmm. of the things we watched, it was like yeah, checks out. Good. Yep. You're looking good. You passed inspection. Boop, move along. <laughs> uh I guess starting with my hero Okay. The, the, the pop-off I had for episode three was the, I mean, it was something that happened in episode two. I just forgot to mention it. And I was like, dang it. Well, now that it's back in this one, I should mention it. Mm-hmm. And it was what uh, all for one or not all for one. It's what one for all says to or the, the original says to Deku in that dream before he wakes up and like breaks the glass and everything. Okay. Do you remember what he said? Like the last thing he says um, to Deku. I can't. I can't remember the specifics. He says, "You're not alone." Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was. Yeah, that was really good. I was. It also once again proves I was right all along. <laughs> the uh, uh, the lyrics for "Might Plus You," which starts with mm-hmm. "You're not alone," I'm like, this isn't to the citizens. That that Deku and pals are saving. This is from one for like the previous one for all people to Deku. Yeah. Ooh, goosebumps. Uh, other than that, I mean the, the that that's was the big juicy stuff was right there at the start, and you know him him talking yes. to All Might about. So this happened to you, right? And All Might's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Yeah, when he was like, no, the talking directly to me. No, that's different. Yeah. Like, like, I think he said something about he like he had a, a remnant of a vision or something. But that was the mm-hmm. most he ever got. And, you know, his his master was explaining to him what it was or whatever. But what Deku was going through is a, a level beyond, which in that moment I was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. If you're telling the story about the ninth, it's because the ninth is the most important one. Like, right. I I kind of, as much as it feels kind of cool to feel like you're just getting a snippet of a much larger world. Mm -hmm. The the fact is, if you're looking at a story at all, it should be especially important, even in the context of its own universe. Right. So, um, now there was one, one thing that I wanted to, uh, to kind of drive into, but that was the um, when All Might's predecessor said that feelings are the well, what, what is it? Is feelings come before power or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like that—that's the driving force. Um, I don't know. I thought that there was a little bit more to that. I thought that was that was a pretty cool dialogue that they were having. As they were soaring about the sky. Yeah, being being um, old timey superheroes like. Yes. And the the camera cutting off on the faces and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So I guess feelings um, come before power. I'm sure that's gonna get expanded on. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing But it's it's it I think that it's really just like the um your beliefs uh, are the things that are going to drive your actions. 
So right, and, and, like, and your beliefs are not the thing that you have on your index card that you tell people you believe. Like mm-hmm. your beliefs are, uh, you might not even necessarily have a great idea of what they are until you know you're you're, right. you're pushed to to action by your emotions, your feelings, reacting reacting to things, <clears throat> which is what I think a lot of people forget, where they're like. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to say they'll say what their values are, and most people are lying. Like, you know, a lot of people would put will put in their online dating profile, "I value honesty," and it's like, mm, I doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you. It's like let's let's see what you do in a crisis. Yeah, it's like you. You also probably value life and limb quite a bit. <laughs> Like your belief right. system is, I deserve to not have my arm ripped off, so I would lie to keep that from happening. Right. And uh, yeah, so the the whole beliefs thing, I think that's been really diluted in Western media and kind of Western culture, where you know your your values are this is the religion I subscribe to, or this is the replacement for religion I subscribe to. And, you know, that means I believe everything in here. And it's like, well, I'm sure you'd like to, but you might not actually. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where, you know, the actual emotion fueled power, like the the ability to act is going to come from. Because if you honestly don't care about something, it's not going to give you any power. You're not going to be moved by it, which is why, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe people who don't who don't burn for justice don't need to be superheroes. Maybe they should go, you know, get an accounting job or something. Right. Burn, burn for numbers. Yes. Which is fine. It's not immoral to not be cut out to be a superhero, but, uh, (laughs) I think that might connect that, that might, I, I would hope for it to kind of intersect with this story we got going with Shinzo. Which I was very yes. happy that he came back at all because I really liked that yes. bit from season one. Uh, that was season one, right? Yeah. That wasn't two. That was season one. That was in the uh, the tournament. Yeah. Okay. Righto. I really liked because Shin- he had to break his finger to get out of it. Yeah, that was cool. But like, I really liked Shinso because it was a thing where he's like, "Yeah, everyone says that I would make a great villain, but I don't want to be a villain." So it's like, I want to make this work as a heroic thing. And I'm like, that's just, how do you not like that guy? (laughs) Like he even has like the sunken eyes and like an intimidating voice. And he's like, no, I want to be a good boy. I know that, that it would be very easy for me to be a bad boy, but I am not interested. And it's like, I, I like that because I mean, you look at Deku's power and it's like, yeah, he's, he's made to be Captain Falcon. Like his ability is to triumphantly punch the bad guy off screen. Right. And you know, <laughs> as great as that is, Shinzo's like the total opposite. And it's cool to have him around. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> it's it's cool seeing him uh what what did what did he say? Um finally I'm at the starting line. Yeah, I liked that whole thing where he's like, I'm way behind all of you. I'm not gonna, you know he's like, I'm I'm not gonna pretend that I'm at the uh, that I'm at your level. He also, I like I liked the speech where he's like I'm not looking to make friends, I'm looking to catch up. Right. 
I'm like, yeah, this is I really like this character and I like where this arc is going to go. I also liked how every reaction shot they had for Deku was him just getting really hype. Yeah, it's like that's an effective stand in <laughs> for your audience because because we're all getting hyped about this, too. I, I really liked when uh, he had the the raps from Aizawa. I was like. Oh shit. Yes. <laughs> so like and also like Aizawa was a pretty good dude for him to study under because they have similar abilities and similar personalities. Yes, like, definitely that. As soon as Shinzo can, I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to have 5 o'clock shadow cuz he's just he's not going <laughs> to value that. Uh, as far as the whole napping thing, that's pretty unique to Aizawa's whole ability where he's like he wants to close his eyes because of the strain right but uh yeah the uh the freaking voice changer that he has whoa yeah when they revealed that i was like that's cool <laughs> that's yeah that's cool and it's not stupid like it's like now this is where this would go that was that was really nice and isn't it yeah. a thing where like he can speak to you but as long as you don't respond was that what it was? Yes. yes. It's like, okay. It's the it's the moment that you respond when he is speaking to you. Or no, he doesn't even have to speak to you. I think that it's you just responding or speaking directly to him. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. And yeah. that's when he when when he got gotcha. you. That's, that's such a cool. You know what it reminds me of? I figured out this is why I I automatically like Shinzo's ability. It reminds me of Shikamaru. Hmm. Where, you know, he has to possess your shadow. So, you know, he it's mm. another kind of like, you know, brainwash kind of thing. But every time mm -hmm. Shikamaru caught someone, it was awesome. In Naruto, it was like, oh my god, it connected. And then it's like, it's all over yeah. now. So, yeah, I, li I like how oh, we're gonna... when he when he made when he made his shadow like go through yeah, that go hole. underneath. Yeah, and then it, it was like, well, what are you going to do now? And then he just leans back and it knocks her out. <laughs> yeah, Shinzo's going to be a Shikamaru type of character where he's just, you know, mm -hmm. brooding, but always thinking. And, and then you're going to have those moments where it's like, wait, why did he stop? <laughs> it's like yeah. Shinzo has taken control. Ugh. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to this I'm excited. this short little arc, and I like Shinzo as kind of a foil for Deku, mm -hmm. just in terms of personality and ability. So that's a cool rivalry that they're alluding to in the intro as well. The yeah. rest of it is like there there is a feeling of oh we we doing this again, huh? Where it's like we're doing another exercise, we're doing more training. It's like season five, yeah, still doing training. I I, yeah. I, I would love for it to expand from this it kind of gave me a similar feeling as to the uh, beginning of naruto shippuden where the first thing that happens is they do a training exercise and it's like dang it the time skip is supposed to get rid of all this but uh like i've said before yeah, i guess the only thing that the only thing that i'm like having to remind myself is it's like okay it the name of the show is yeah my hero school pretty much that's so true. it's like i i i may have to temper my expectations that's true <laughs> also you could tell this is way better than the filler that episode one had like this right. feels like it has a purpose and is going somewhere and it's a good this is always a good vehicle to introduce 
new characters and kind of give other characters that haven't been introduced a little more uh, screen time to kind of establish, Mm -hmm. you know, if they will be important at all later. I like how class one. There are definitely some faces. (laughs) Yeah, I like. Yeah, there are definitely some faces in one B that I just definitely did not recognize. Yeah, they were like, I was like, you came up with these recently. Like we just didn't happen to see them beforehand. Like they've been, yeah. They're definitely totally new characters I haven't seen yet. But because we haven't focused on one B, this is this is okay, I guess. Uh, what I can mm-hmm. never remember the kid's name, but like the, the sort of the, the 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 leader who always has a maniacal laugh of one B. Oh yeah, the dude that does the the hardened air. Yeah. So like him him. I can't remember his name. <laughs> him more or less. He's been established from the start, and so has the chick that has, like, the Kamala Khan fists. She's been established yes. from the start. And also... Wait a minute. That dude's power is not hardened air. That dude's power is he can borrow other people's powers. Right. That's what it is. That's why it's hard to remember what his power is. He's Kirby. But... Yes. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Is it is it Kendo? That the, sounds correct. Maybe it's Kento? Ken- Something like that. Yeah, whatever. She uh, yeah. got added to the fighting game. She was a DLC character. So I'm like, that's an Ooh. endorsement. That's the sign she's going to be coming back later. She's once the once the um, the secondary media starts giving you more playtime. It's like eh, you're going to be sticking around. You're you're gonna you're gonna be one of the yeah. one of the standbys. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we're getting more of them because you know it's this is a show that has managed to keep everyone excited when they're being shown a new character with a new ability. Like it's very Mm -hmm. much unlike, uh, American comics at this point, which have like the same 20 powers that they'll give every new hero and like the same 20 designs. It it's definitely the uniqueness of all of these powers. Uh, and the seemingly randomness of like freaking what, what's that girl with the, the manga panels as her face. I'm sorry. I don't remember this one. You don't remember her. This must have her, got- her, her, her face is like a speech bubble. It like from what? a manga and like that's that's her ability. She's from class one B. I can't remember her name, but she was introduced way back in season one. I totally but, don't um, remember. <laughs> that's crazy though. But yeah. That reminds me of Heaven's I'm Door. Like, I I don't even know what her power is, but she's she's her face is literally a manga. <laughs> yeah. No, uh they're all good designs. It's kinda like uh if you dove deep into like well no actually this is in a scene in the movie so in the incredibles when he's going through like syndrome's computer and you're seeing all of these cool designs and cool names and you're like man i wish we could get more of that right Uh, if you like went into like the dvd special features or whatever they had like a full-on database of all those characters on like their abilities their origins and like their uh uh how they died or whatever Oh, that's and really uh, yeah, cool. fully fleshed out. And then they waited forever to make another movie, which was about the same characters. And it's like, yeah. man, you could you could really get more out of that. But I guess I guess just, there's there's not the interest. Also, it wasn't all that good. Yeah, I really liked it in the moment, but it was kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it stemmed from the stakes feeling much less compared to the first one. Like it just didn't feel like yeah. as much of a threat. 
Whereas like, God, man, Syndrome was a very basic villain, but he was so memorable. And he had a he had great monologues, great motivation too. Oh yes. Whereas uh the screen slaver was kind of like the world is unjust, therefore I will do what I must. I didn't mean to rhyme, but yeah. I definitely didn't even remember that that was the name of the villain. I, just I thought it was a cool name. Goggles. I gotta say, cool name, Screen Slaver. Now it does sound like, <laughs> and I it does sound like a name a boomer would come up with, because it's like, what's a screensaver? <laughs> it's like there's uh there's you know gen z kids buying crts to play retro games like cool kids and they're getting them burned because they don't realize that crts will burn yeah man what a fear that was back in the day yeah it it was like oh before i leave the room i need to turn the tv off and when i come back i'll turn the Mm -hmm. tv back on i'll leave the console going but i gotta turn the tv off because i don't want to ruin my tv forever uh and then you know you remember the plasma uh, screens are the the same thing yep yeah Yep, but they they also had like some of the TVs had the uh, had like the the settings that you could turn on that would like unburn the TV, but it would oh, just blast a single uh, a single color color, and then on- it would like change another <laughs> color. What was it? it? It was like I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, there there was like a period of flat screen TVs where they had the technology to like have all those different modes. Also, I remember mm-hmm. when like consumer TVs got screen savers added. It wasn't just a thing that DVD players did for you, which, yeah, Mm -hmm. DVD players had to have uh, screensavers because otherwise people were burning their TVs. I got to I got to blow my nose real quick. Okay. (laughs) Um, Since I know you can probably still hear me, uh, there was another thing I wanted to mention about um, the uh, about this episode of My Hero, which was I. I am glad that we're coming back to the this like relationship between Uraka and Deku. I because I just find it very cute. Yeah, it um, also kind of disappeared like, for a bit, and it was like I guess it's because we had other stuff we were worrying about. Like there were very high stakes in uh, previous right previous uh, season season four, pretty high stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know the season four and the second movie, it was like yeah, there wasn't really any time for that. But I, I, yeah, you know what I noticed? I was like, hmm. I, I was laughing in every single thing we watched. There was stuff I laughed at. Yeah. Like all of the stuff we watched this week. I loved the part where, what was it? Deku pulled out like his notebook and Morocco was just like, where did you pull that out <laughs> from? That from? And it isn't answered at all. She, he doesn't even hear the question. She's just looking at it with like a completely blank stare. <laughs> Where did you pull that out from? And then it cuts away. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> their their relationship is just very cute. I also liked the part, the moment of bonding between Deku and All Might, where he was like, "I have a question," or you know, and he's like, oh, "I had Lord. something I wanted to say about your old master," and he's like, "Yes," and he was like, "She was so pretty," and he was like, "Right." <laughs> it was like that was, a, that was a good moment good good moment also, among, among the boys <laughs> when they're walking down the hallway and run into aizawa and he's like don't make it sound like i caught you in an affair he's like it's not funny <laughs> yeah that was funny 
It's like, I get where you're going with this joke. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it's always kind of. It's, it's 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 gotten to the point where now it's weird to see All Might in his like powered up form from before because we just yeah. see so little of it and now we only see it in like flashbacks now and then that it's it's almost it's kind of hard to remember oh yeah that's the same guy yeah and it was really weird when they when they showed um all for one and in that like a dream space and he had kind of like the blackened eyes going on the same kind of like chin uh-huh. it was like oh that's Markedly similar and to he, All Might, and he also did not look like a horrifying monster, like right. like he does now with his face covered in flesh. <laughs> I that yeah. that really is quite a design. That abomination <laughs> sitting atop that like nice tailored suit with the engine around his neck. What 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 was that thing? It, that was just a helmet, right? I feel like it was some sort of helmet to help him breathe since he yeah. has no like face. It's some kind of like Bane type of deal, like like Dark Knight mm-hmm. Bane. And yeah. but then the rest of him is like wearing that suit and I'm like that's a banger of a design. That'll stick with you. That's a good villain. <laughs> good villain. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> Um oh shoot. There was I I can't remember was this Okay, no no, that's for later. This this wasn't about my hero, but yeah. Um, oh, okay. I'm uh, I'm interested that uh, like All Might was kind of like he can't really see All Might when he sees the previous ones. He's kind of faded yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because All Might's still alive, but that would mean right. there's another one that's still alive. Or maybe like the the oh, transfer yeah. isn't complete from All Might, so that's why All Might is kind of wispy in there. Maybe he will show up and he doesn't have to die. I don't know. But otherwise, it makes me think, oh, there might we might need to go find the other one that's still alive. Yeah. This is this is shaping up to be a really there's a lot of really <laughs> interesting things going in a lot of different directions because we got the stuff with uh, Hawks being Todoroki. undercover. Oh yeah. Yeah, we've got Hawks. We've got um, Todoroki and Endeavor. Stuff with, yep, um, we've got the stuff with uh, Shinso or Shin, yeah, whatever his name is. It's it's Shinso. Um, okay, um, and then we've got this all this all for one or uh, one for all stuff. Yeah, it's like this is this is shaping up to be a really interesting season. Doesn't seem like anything's going to be dragging. Yeah, I, I liked all of the or I'm liking all of the plot threads going right now. And mm-hmm. it's I just wish episode one didn't exist because otherwise, yep. if you just started episode two, you just hit the ground running and there's yep. no there's no <laughs> waste wasting your time with filler and then wasting your time with a completely fake twist that does not exist at the end of episode one it's like right no it just establishes hawks is undercover and you know this is the start of this story this isn't a twist it's like no the start of the story is hawks is trying to get in nice with the league of villains so you know we know what they're up to <clears throat> gosh i forgot that, that it sets up that as a twist and it was pretty stupid uh. <laughs> uh i didn't really have any I mean, I guess my pop-off was my battle cry to a degree, and it was really just the you're not alone thing, but that was also from last episode. 
I am noticing yeah. that my hero is more and more, uh, uh, what would you say, sinking to the level of every other like shonen anime where it's like the first part of every episode is the last part of the previous episode. And it's like, ah, you really got to cut those costs, huh? Yeah. Whereas season yeah, one, that's a little frustrating. D- didn't do that at all. That no, no, that being said, season one did constantly recap the uh, moment where all might is like giving or is it he's telling Deku that he he too can be a hero. It's like it did run that one into the ground a little bit. Right. Yes, it did. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it, that's not too big of a gripe. It's just like, ugh, well, I can see your budget. It's a gripe in it's a gripe as far as it didn't happen before and now it's happening. So it's kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. well, I, you know. Okay. <laughs> it's like, I understand, yeah. but I was hoping we weren't going to be doing this. You know, everyone wants to be Helsing Ultimate, where it's every second of every episode is original animation. But, jeez. There's a, you know, there was a reason Helsing Ultimate couldn't even finish the dub because it was so expensive and took so long to make that, uh, yeah, the the money, the, the money ran out. <laughs> Yeah, but also, they died trying. Yeah, uh, I mean, Redline, never going to be something like that ever again. Until nope. you get the right group of people who just happen to get someone that believes in them and turns out to be wrong for it. But the art gets <laughs> made. It then exists and it cannot unexist. I watched oh, a, Redline. a short little documentary on Redline. And it's from mm-hmm. this guy that I find very, uh, maybe I should, maybe that's too strong, but I just find him kind of hard to watch. He has a very boring voice, a very dull way of delivering mm. information. Uh, and he seems to be, you know, kind of just a facts kind of person until okay. every once in a while he'll, you know, indulge in those early 20 teens you know, video essay kind of tropes where it's like, you're really padding this script out. You're really feeling yourself. It's like, you could just, you could just freaking say the thing. Uh, I'll have to find it. Uh, if, okay. if I do find it, I'll put it in the description. If I like, can't remember what it's called, but um, it was a very informative video talking about like the whole behind the scenes mm-hmm. situation. <coughs> uh, yeah. And it, it wasn't the super eye patch wolf video, which I don't even think I've seen. But uh, I can't find it. I'll have to share it later. But um, all right. It was really cool kind of looking at like all the different people who just happened to be at the right place at the right time to get the premise of basically wacky racers, but cool anime. There was one detail that I was like, that is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And I wish I could retroactively add it to our Redline episode. Uh, which is one of my favorite episodes to this day. Go check it out. Season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a point where two of the three of the three main dudes that were working on this, not the, not the dude that had the main ideas and was, you know, the, the biggest creative force, but two of the other ones that were involved sort of, you know, producer, writer, director situations. Mm-hmm. They worked on the anime segments of kill bill. And at one point, one of the guys turned to the other and he's like, you know, 
we can make anime this cool if we want to, whenever we want to. We don't have to wait for Quentin Tarantino to tell us. And I was like, that would be a really cool thing to realize. Where you're kind of like, wait, why am I not doing this? I can. It's like, why am I, why am yeah. I waiting for this, this foreigner who loves this art form that I'm a part of? Why am I waiting for him to give me a reason to do it? It's like, I should already be excited about what I'm doing. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah that's cool. <laughs> and that was kind of the thing that led to them looking for someone who had an idea that they just thought was really freaking cool. <laughs> and they're like, let's just do that. Cause we can, we're the, if we're the ones who are going to make it, if it's going to get made. So, yeah. <clears throat> and the fact that they settled on a, probably one of the coolest and sickest animes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Redline, it's kind of hard to undersell it as far as just just pure cool factor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, God, what got me on that? I was going to say, I don't really have much to say as far as, um, you know, the pillars for my hero. This is very much a beginning of like four different plot threads. So we'll just have to see where it goes. Right. But I will like having a contrast of a kind of morally gray situation where someone is undercover because it just gives them more to talk about. And, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know if any of y'all seen this show called Gurren Lagann, but Kamina wasn't mm. much for undercover. No, that dude wasn't <laughs> much for leaving anything up to uh, deception. He, he didn't even like hitting someone in the back, even in the middle of a fight. So, right. You know, uh, you know, when we we've talked about before where it's like, you know, valor is Certainly something you're looking for in a uh, belt protagonist, which is, you know, facing down the enemy when you know you're going to lose, like continuing to fight. But Mm -hmm. also in there, I think seems to be honor. Like if someone's just, you know, kind of uh, an opportunist scumbag, even if what they're doing is right. I don't know. I kind of feel like I want to be a little more choosy. Yeah, I feel like honor and valor do often go hand in hand, though. Well, I think when people talk about uh, being honored, per se, it's kind of a different reputation. Mm. Or I mean, not different reputation, different definition. So like honor would be, you know, having a code and sticking to it. You know, having Mm -hmm. rules that you establish and you follow them no matter what. So like even even if it's the extreme would be even if it's life or death you don't you don't give in to to something and then valor yeah being like continuing to fight even though there's no chance you're going to win <clears throat> and i think you know the medal of mm-hmm. honor is given for valor actually where you know you are being honored it's not it mm. doesn't necessarily have anything to do with honor i would say the the definition where it's like you know you stick to a code because, you know, it's like even, uh, I, okay, I feel like honor has to be something that is more individualistic. Like, of course, you know, there's, there's, you know, the chivalry for knights and Bushido for samurai, where it's kind of, this is a group that sticks to a code. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's the pirate codes for pirates, even, you know, honor among thieves. Yeah. But as far as honor in a belt sense... It seems like it's honor in opposition to even what your allies want you to do. 
where it's like if if someone has made a vow to not kill, them being honorable is sticking to that, even when their allies are like, well, I mean, we're going to freaking lose. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe something to expand on later once we got more meat to chew on. We could see what goes yeah. on with Hawks where it's like how you know how much is he willing to do to stay undercover? Of course I'm not worried about Hawks, you know, killing innocents, but I mean, there's definitely situations where heroes have to kill people. Uh I guess there's just a situation where it's like it's it's your life or theirs and you know, some people could say, "Eh, well, even then, especially you know like uh, uh Mennonites where it's like, no, total mm. nonviolence. It's like you die before you kill someone. Um, mm. Sometimes, you know, even when people don't want to necessarily. Then there's the Punisher, who d- d- does not ever reach that point. <laughs> He's like, what is this? An inconvenience? This guy's jaywalking. <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway. Honor and Valor, maybe something to expand on later. Uh, yeah, we, there's we, also going to be a lot of legacy to talk about when it comes to um, all one for, for one. all. Yeah, all for one and one for all. Them too, because all for one's legacy is going to be creating the greatest right. heroes. But uh, yeah, do, what do we want to move on to next? Because we're probably done with my hero. I'm going to take a yeah. sip. Um, you want to talk about Back Arrow? Because I don't really have much to say about Back Arrow. I enjoyed this episode. I just, I don't really remember a lot of it. It was the first thing that I watched. Like, and I watched it like the day that it came out. So it was the first, um, or it was the last thing that I watched. It was episode 14 of Back Arrow okay. for people who don't know. But yeah, I wrote down very little for this one. I I wrote down my pop-off. My pop-off is just Zetsu as a character. As always, he's the best part of this whole show. Mm-hmm. Like, and we got an answer as to why 10 bind warpers is because they typically can't handle his conviction. So he just runs through them. So he's got to wear 10. So he lasts a little bit longer in the bright height because it literally cannot handle his conviction, which is uh. pretty just awesome. He, he, he has such an energy to him. Like goodness, he's he's the shot in the arm of every single scene because, I I mean, him, him and Kai really, but like mm-hmm. when Zetsu or even when Kai is on screen, it's like the drag on the energy that every other character seems to be is that it makes it to where I start looking at my phone when I'm watching this show, and I'm I'm sorry, Imaishi. Mm. No, wait, this isn't Imaishi. Imaishi's working on Cyberpunk. It's um, is it Nakamura? Yeah, I think it's Nakamura. I don't want to be wrong. I'm going to look it up, but in the process. Dude that made my favorite things ever. Like, mm-hmm. you. I don't, like, I, I anything I watch from him, I really want to like. Like, I really, really wanted to like BNA. But in the end, it just, it right. didn't stick with me. And that ending was extremely underwhelming. Uh freaking where is this guy's name but yeah uh, i I just i can't stay invested it's just not it's not grabbing me 
Yeah, we've we we've said this a couple times, but it's like, man, Back Arrow just kind of exists. Like it's it's a fun popcorn time when we're watching it, but it's just it yeah. just doesn't stick with me. I will say it's nice to have on. This would this would be mm-hmm. a good thing to have on. You know, you know one of the one of the later time slots in Toonami. You know, mm-hmm. to just just kind of be on because you're up, and you know it's it's fun to have something somewhat actiony and exciting on TV while you're still up. Yeah. It's very unoffensive. Yeah. But that's just not what I expect from him. It's not the kind of thing I expect him. I expect him to write Promare. Like, sorry. Especially after he wrote Promare. That's just what I expect him to write. (laughs) Like, I expect him to write the most exciting thing I have yet seen yeah. So it makes to where everything I, he does after the fact. And have you also noticed that Back Arrow makes no like big, you know, it doesn't put his name in big bold letters. Whereas like, you know, Promare, like the first thing you see is directed by Hiroyuki Imaishi. And then, which I can't find his name. I still can't find his name. Let me just type in Promare. I typed in Gurren Lagann, but that had a much bigger staff that worked on it. So we just go in Promare. I, I really I really do think that this was just like him biding his time, like just picking up another project and just kind of throwing whatever at it. Perhaps. Nakashima. There we go. Kazuki Nakashima. Nakashima. Yeah, and he he's more than just the writer. He like, you know, comes up with the original pitch. It's it's he's the creator of this stuff. It's his original idea. Mm. And then, you know, it's kind of like with uh, Run the Jewels, if anyone is familiar with that uh, rap duo. Killer Mike talks about, which I mean, hey, if you watched anime on Toonami, you actually know who both these guys are. But uh, Killer Mike talks about how when they when he first worked with LP, which is the other half, he's like, at mm-hmm. some point I discovered that my... He, he was like, my flow worked best with his beats. So it's kind of like mm. you, you kind of find your, your creative soulmate where it's like with Nakashima, it's like his, his, uh, what would you say? His ideas are best displayed with Imaishi's vision, like his voice, Imaishi's vision. That's like the match made in heaven. And Imaishi is yeah. busy with cyberpunk. So, you know, he's like, well, I got to do something, I guess. And uh, I, that that's really what this feels like is I got to do something. I did write down. I'm a yeah. bit confused as to how we got here for back arrow, like all of these events happening. And, you know, it's episode 14 out of, I want to say, uh, 26, it's 26 episodes. Yeah. So it's, it's a little over halfway and, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know where it's going. When they come back at the end there, you know, it's the thing with the riots. And first of all, I'm like, so they saw their leader be a bloodthirsty war criminal and they decided to riot. Citation needed. I've never seen that happen in real life. Certainly not in my (laughs) lifetime (laughs) because the evidence is everywhere all the time and no one seems to really care. But it also was I did more fantastic like yeah, that's true. Um, I did like the uh, 
like when they stopped the war because she just kept healing everyone. Yeah, that was cool, but it also was kind of a, a Deus Ex Machina where it's like, right? Oh well, because we can't get out of this situation without incalculable bloodshed, we have to give Princess Hime this power. Or was yeah. it Hime? Not Princess Hime. I'm sorry, Hime. Fine. Hime is the Japanese word for princess. My bad. Princess, princess. Yeah, you know, that that character. Although that could absolutely apply to her. But Princess Fine, there we go. Hime Fine. I wonder if that's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> that's just a pun or something that's just going over our head because it's translated. It might just be. Who knows? Hime Fine. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, gosh, man, just... Everything is just sort of there, and I don't have very strong feelings about it either way. Like it, it's not terrible. No. Uh, like I, I would say, the ending of BNA was very strongly disappointing. Whereas this, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, all right. I mean, I guess this is a plot line. <laughs> not terribly invested yeah. in any of it, really. And it's like, if it ends poorly, it wouldn't even be like a, like, oh, that's super disappointing. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I I just kind of wouldn't tell anyone about it like I am right now. Right. Like, I haven't really brought it up (laughs) as far as, like, recommendations. Uh, I I thought it was interesting how they figured out how to make the giant Death Star cannon on Grand Edger be, like, non-lethal by just combining it with back arrows uh whatever that ability was saber strike or something combining it with that something like that it made it saber blow saber blow yeah it made it non-lethal and that's just like is that good enough for you back arrow and he's like yes and it's like this should be a huge deal holy crap (laughs) it's like we 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 have a non-lethal death star laser that disarms everyone also, that's not to say anything about all the people who died leading up to that. <laughs> yeah, it was like, boy, howdy, it would have been nice to have that earlier. <laughs> and, you know, the we also don't get much, much closure for the dudes that Princess Hime decapitated on a rampage, which were her, like, her drank own and their essence. Yeah, hers and the enemy's soldiers she was attacking. And it's just we don't get much closure on that. Well, like we we do establish that was bad and it's good we got that under control. <laughs> but I also really don't know what's going on with this elect dude. Like I was thinking before, oh, he might be just a galaxy brain secret good guy, but I don't know. He seemed pretty unhappy that the war ended. Yeah, I, he he's uh, he's kind of he what's shady. I mean, he lives in the shadows, but you know. I, I also I just now realized I was like, yeah, they show him fighting. You know, in his He-Man mode, they show him fighting Zetsu hand to hand in the intro. It just occurred to me Zetsu might be the good guy before the elect is. That would be hilarious. That would be freaking and I, sweet. I would, I would love it. <laughs> I can't wait for the show to get to the point where we're figuring out what in the world is going on outside the wall. <laughs> like I was pretty sold on that from the start, but it's just it taken the backest of the back seats. It's in the trunk at this point. And mm-hmm. then the war is over and now we've got to deal with these riots. And it's like, Oh God, who cares about the riots? Can we just figure out what's going on behind the wall? 
Especially now yeah. that we've got Kai like <laughs> interested in a way that he is loudly protesting being in, being interested, but is still thinking, he's still thinking about it. <laughs> he's like, it was put there by the gods, and he blows one up, and he's like, I shouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> just what a fun guy. <laughs> like god put this here therefore i can't destroy it and then he tries to destroy it and it works but he's still committed to the faith (laughs) oh kai kai and zetsu you guys are carrying the show they really are and it's a situation where i'm like i am way more interested in the the heels of this story than i am the heroes (laughs) like back arrow is the is it's the most Roman Reigns it's ever been, like mm. it's it's the most. This is the good guy because we told you it's the good guy and you like him because right. he's good. It's like he just doesn't have much else going on. He's got a more interesting outfit than Roman Reigns ever had, that's for sure. But as far as the <laughs> character, it's just not. It's just not a lot there. This ain't no. And he's quiet way too much. <clears throat> yeah. Like there, there's way too many times where it's like there's there's probably something that he would have to say here. Oh, he's not going to say anything. We're just moving on. Yeah, oh, okay. he, he's really not participating in the script much. It's just he's just kind of along for the ride. I, I I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it's not really any different than what back arrow has been this whole time. So I guess at least it's consistent. Hey, at <laughs> least I would love for it to get controversial. <laughs> Because then we'd have something to talk about. But anyway, we don't have anything to talk about, so why are we even still talking about it? Let's move on. Go on to right. either Nomad or Dinazina. What you feeling? Hmm. Let's let's do Dinazenon. Okay. Um, because it had one of the funniest moments. It was hilarious. I think I've ever... <laughs> Erotically, not erotically. <laughs> yeah, was I didn't even write that one down, but that was funny. Uh, and then there was also <laughs> the, the part where Galma it like just comes into his house because his <laughs> was it his mom or his or his older sister just let him in. His mom. His mom. Yeah. Okay. She looked kind of young for the mom, but I guess that was the grandma that's staying with them. She just kind of let. Right. He's like he said he, he said he knew you, and he's like, and you just believed him. <laughs> And it's like, and clearly you do know him, but I like the bar where he's like, you know, I'd hate to intrude more than, and then it cuts to him snoring. Yes. And the, the fact that he just climbed into the tub with Yomagi while he's like chastising him for not coming to training and Yomagi's just oh like, my God. are you cramped? And he's just like, I am. <laughs> it's moments like these that really make me feel like fully coolie <laughs> or yeah. make, make the show feel like fully coolie it feels more like fully coolie than gridman ever did kind of because gama right. is acting like a uh haruko sort of figure yes just just like <laughs> in his life just like being like what what are you doing you should be doing this this is the thing i want you to do doesn't he have pink hair he does it's kind of a it's kind hey. of, a, of, a, of a um what would you say a salmon got salmon hair salmon sounds smelly but he probably is smelly Mm. i don't think he'd bathe i mean until that time all right uh i was like it was really funny 
I also thought it was interesting how uh, what's her face? I forgot her name. The 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 girl that Minami. Is it is it Minami? Minami. 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 Yeah. I thought <laughs> it was interesting how she ends up. They kind of switch places where he stops showing up, yeah. and she's the one that's kind of interested in something. And it's like, bruh, you got you you got to show up if not to save the world, if for the girl who's like acting better because she's interested in this. <clears throat> yes. I thought it was really like that. That change was really interesting. The, you know, cause at first it was her being apathetic to, you know, whatever, but now it's him not coming under the guise of obligation. Yeah. And you know, he's like, I have to go to work and it's like, Okay. I see where this is going. It's like, uh, no, I, I can't, I can't achieve my destiny. I have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, geez, trigger. Do you need to, do you need to throw the spear right into my heart that hard? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, I, I can't do the thing I've been wanting to do since I was a kid. I, I got to shift later. Yeah. Hmm. I also uh, this the direction of these fights feels a hundred times better than Gridman's. When I when I remember fights from Gridman, I remember a mess of CG smashing against each other. Like yes, and this has a much <clears throat> less noticeable balance of uh, CGI and two D like traditional animation. Yeah, it feels like it had a little bit better planning, probably better mm-hmm. storyboarding, and the fact that. <clears throat> So far, these action scenes, these fights, the first one was very short, but this one had a kind of had a story that happened within the fight, like the the Mm -hmm. story of I don't know how to use my robot because I haven't been coming to practice. Well, hey, we did that thing earlier when I when I practiced with you and I, you know, came to you to practice. So let's do that. And, you know. Uh, see how that can work. And, you know, deducing it, the, the wings go out before it teleports. I'm like, this is so much more than Gridman had in its action scenes. It's, it's yeah. action scenes were very, we have to get Gridman to show up and he isn't right now. So the Kaiju is breaking things. And when Gridman shows up, he does the lightning kick from Gunbuster. And <laughs> there it is, which I had kind of forgot about that. The, uh, Lightning kick was just from Gunbuster, and it was almost as much as it could be said without being copyright. I guess that that's directly what it was from. And you know, Gridman mm. isn't just in the Gridman universe; it's kind of with the context that all of these are fictional, which is a thing that they kind of refuse to kind of commit to either way. If it's, you know, this fictional universe has come to life or uh, it has merged with the real world. It's kind of just like, no, we're just not going to say either way. Gridman originally was, you know, the the main villain was kind of a nerd for kaiju stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, had this encyclopedic knowledge of all these other things that she was referencing, uh, you know, with the the other nerd that was on the good guy team when they kind of went on a yeah. sort of date and we're just talking about that stuff. I was like, yeah, this is a tribute to stuff. It isn't just part of the Gridman property. 
Dynazenon feels a little more contained in its own license. Like, I think maybe it has a little yeah, bit more confidence. I would definitely agree with that. Where it's like, yeah, we can... Yeah, they're like the confidence that can stand on its own yeah. rather than... Whereas, I mean, we said this before, Gridman felt like dollar store Ultraman. Like, it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's definitely what it was in its time. What it is right now is an excuse for Trigger to make a tribute to Kaiju. Uh, Kai- Kaiju films and stuff like that. Dynazenon feels like it's more... This is a new version of a of an old thing, and we're kind of committing to it more. Yeah, uh, you you had something that gave you a pop off, which was that yes, the transformation music for is is diegetic. Yeah, so like, <laughs> like it, the, when the, when the theme comes <laughs> in when when Dinazenon is transforming into its uh, Dynarex, it was like. The it's when playing it keeps the music in the cockpit. Back, <laughs> yeah, it's, which is, it's like, or it's it, maybe it's not playing it in the cockpit, but you can like hear it outside. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, and it's like both of those are hilarious and really cool at the same time. It's like right. when you activate the transformation sequence on this Mechurin, it plays its own theme music. Which I don't know which one is funnier: the fact that it would be playing it to the pilot. Or the fact that it's projecting it to everyone, like to its enemies and the onlookers. Like both of those are hilarious oh. to me. And I kind of wish that would like become a thing. I kind of, I hope that they maybe state that plainly because I, I totally missed it when I was watching it the first time. Mm, but when you pointed okay. it out, I went and found that scene and yeah, the kind of like it, it's playing it, you know, like it's just, being played like a score in the flashback, but then mm-hmm. it shows it from his perspective with everything smashing together, and he's like, eh, like freaking <laughs> out, and you just hear it playing in the background. I'm like, this is seriously funny. Like, I, I was that was like the I funniest was up pop the off I've ever had for anything. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh my god, it's playing its own theme music. <laughs> yeah, um. But but the the whole show went right back to that um that same feel that we were talking about uh in the first episode. We were like, I wonder if it's just gonna be balls to the wall from here on out or if it's gonna go back to the style. It definitely went back to that style. Yeah, where it's like there's a lot of ambiance, not much mm-hmm. of a score, and it has this very hyper-real execution, which if you're watching the show and you want to get a more extreme and less subtle version of what we're talking about, stick around for the credits and look at the photograph montage that they have in there yep. and the video montage, because that is hyper-realism taken to the point where it would become hard to watch if the whole show was like that, with the soft focus, the blur effects, the kind of uh, yeah. the camera shake and the lens flare. All of that stuff is like really cranked up in the credits and you get, you know, a more palatable version of it in the show itself. That's what we're referring mm-hmm. to. And they're sticking to it, which is not a style I've ever seen Trigger use. And it was not the style that Gridman used. So that's Dyna- similar to the style that um, Kitsniver used. That's right. That's a good point. I often that's kind similar. of the black sheet. It's not. I don't think that Kitsniver was so. Um, was was so realistic, but it's definitely but yeah, right. Kitsniver was definitely but, more grounded. I, I don't know if I would describe mm-hmm. it as hyper real, 
because there was a lot of shots in Kit Sniver that felt like they were from an anime. <clears throat> like right. this is an animation kind of medium shot. Whereas Dinazenon, it's almost like they got a storyboard artist who exclusively worked in film to storyboard this animated show because the kind of shots and close-ups they use are something from live action. Like that, that mm-hmm. angle they used when he turns around the corner and is asking his mom why she let the stranger in. That felt like something mm-hmm. out of a Spielberg movie where he puts the camera like on a coffee table in a living room and like has mm-hmm. it sort of looking up to kind of sit you in the room instead of, you know, just show you the room. I was like, this yeah, I feels d- like Hollywood. Yeah, good way, I definitely feel. Yes, I definitely feel when yeah. I'm watching when I'm when I'm watching this that I am like a part of this scene or or that I'm a part of this world, just like a window into it. Right. Which is, you know, what film is supposed to do Uh, Mm -hmm. when, you know, when it's not over the top, you know, MCU avatar types of things. Uh, And I say James Cameron avatar, but like blue Pocahontas. But yeah, like, (laughs) like, okay, you know, go freaking watch Jerry Maguire. Same cinematographic style that Dinazenon is using. It's like, yeah, this kind of mm. grounded drama. We're shooting it like this. And then every once in a while, we freaking fight Kaiju. And I also noticed something about some of the shots in the action scene. Of course, you know, framing action well is more important than sticking to your hyper real aesthetic. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's also something I noticed about Xenon that's much better than Gridman. Gridman really liked to obscure things with, uh, you know, uh, uh, telephone wires and b- rubble and, you know, kind of, kind of sh- have some camera shake and like the cameras struggling to keep up with the action. This yeah. one frames everything clean to where, you know, where people are, you, you know what they're doing right now. You have a good sense of the danger of any given situation, which you yeah. know is good when you're having a scene where he doesn't know how to move his legs and you're like, wait, what is the bad guy focused on right now? Is he going to come, g- come knock him over or something? G- good action direction is more important than sticking to a style in my opinion. But yeah, there are like some when se- they, when they split, when they split and like <clears throat> it, when you see all of them go in every which direction and yeah. like you see where they land. Like that was a really good shot and it framed everything that you needed to know. I was like, wow, you, you really backed up for that shot, which mm-hmm. is I, for trigger. You don't expect it for trigger. You assumed it to them to zoom in and crank up that FOV and just, you know, Oh yeah. Show everything stretch and pull apart. But it's like, no, you, you backed up and you showed it quite, quite effectively. Just, you know, you, you just you did it by the book, but yeah, it definitely s- maintains that reserved thing that we said. Yeah, but then there's uh, the shot where they were talking about its wings glow before it transports or before it teleports transports, man. That was a term we used to use back in the 90s when we didn't know what teleport meant, but <clears throat> uh, it, it has a shot that looks like it's shot from like either the ground or maybe the roof of a short building because it's using this like really kind of telephoto lens look that's a little Mm -hmm. zoomed in to the monster and and it moves just slightly like it's almost a handheld shot. And I was like, they're keeping it in there when it 
can be kept, but they're more concerned with framing the action. And I'm like, man, Dinozenon, as much as I am not sure how in the world the story could end up being as satisfying and as, I don't know, I guess for me, vindicating (laughs) as Gridman, (laughs) the execution (laughs) of the nuts and bolts feels like a step up in in like actually two steps up in every regard because I'm in every way yeah. the CG is straight up not bothering me. I know that bothers you more than it bothers yep. me, but I, I've it's not bothering me at all. That's great because that means they've figured out how to balance it a little bit better. So yeah. Uh yeah. Dynazenon is quality. I I also noticed there seems to be a message cropping up. And of course, you know, all of these different characters have their have their own story, which I recently learned what the term Nakama meant it was in that eastern versus western storytelling video i shared you which i'll i'll put in the Mm. description but um it's a good video uh he gets a little political so if y'all maybe don't love that you know you you don't you don't have to watch it but it's it's not very much i think he makes some good points while making uh, a few political jokes here and there but Mm. um nakama is a term that we basically don't have an, an analog for in the English language. You know, in English, we have our team, we have our friends, we have comrades, but Nakama is something different. Nakama is like the people that are on the same journey as you. Hmm. So it's almost like, you know, in, in Firefly, that crew, they are mm-hmm. a crew, but, you know, it goes beyond when they're on their ship doing their job. Cause you know, when they're outside the ship, they're still acting like they're, they're on the, the, they're on the same page. They're very much a tightly knit group, even though, you know, characters like Jane are constantly trying to, trying to, you know, cause trouble. And, you know, he wants good old Jane. He wants to usurp the captain. He's like, you want to be captain in this ship? Yes, I do. Well, you can't, you can't. (laughs) God, I love that show. But uh, they they would be a good description as Nakama. Whereas the Avengers, I don't think you could describe as Nakama. Nakama would be mm, okay. this group in Dinazenon, which is apparently some, it is a trope that almost exclusively exists in Eastern entertainment. Uh, and he points out in this video. And I was like, okay, so that's, that's something that, that I'll now notice that maybe I wouldn't have noticed before. And it's interesting that there's this game made by Ninja Theory called Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Mm, mm -hmm. And I was like, boy, that's interesting. That title. And I don't know if you've played the game. Uh, I have not. It's okay. Uh, Ninja Theory has made better games. Uh, You know, I would say even their Devil May Cry reboot is quite a bit better as far as being a video game than enslaved, but enslaved is an adaptation of journey to the West, right? Which is an Eastern story, which is kind of the template for boy, a lot of Eastern storytelling. That's why you see San Wukong. That's why you see his design show up in so many different anime Chinese films. Like that is their odyssey. Like we have the odyssey. They have journey to the West. Uh, between, you know, East and Western. Journey to the West is all about the Nakama. The Odyssey is all about Odysseus and his journey. And he has his comrades, but they're more like his soldiers. 
and um, mm-hmm. they're all pretty disposable. You know, it's like they all die to get him home, which is not right. to say that this is good or bad. It's like this is the kind of story is that kind of gets told is, the, you know, especially in the West, a knight would die for his king. Like that is his purpose. He that's why he's right. a knight. It is he's being a knight for the king. So Odysseus, for Odysseus, king and country. Yes, Odysseus making it home and you know reestablishing order and taking his place. That was worth dying for to the to his soldiers. Whereas in Journey to the West, they all have the same place they're going to. They all have similar goals, and two of them start off as villains. I think there's a reason we've been drawn to anime because in the Odyssey, Uh. the, the blueprint for all of Western storytelling, you know, including things more pop culture, like Marvel and DC Mm -hmm. enemies are enemies. Like, you know, Mm. uh, (laughs) the, the Cyclops that, Odysseus and, and, and friends have to take down. He does not right. eventually, you know, <clears throat> have a scene where, you know, he, he saves them from Charybdis or something. It's like, nah, he's an obstacle. He is something to be overcome. He, he isn't really a character as much as a, a, a force of nature that must be defeated. And I think that's what he works as. He works as the, like the unknown intelligent, whereas, you know, the the Hydra and Charybdis are kind of like Charybdis is the whirlpool. Uh, the Hydra is, you know, uh, wild animals. And then mm-hmm. the Cyclops is the intelligent that is unknown that, you know, you're intruding on and you, you, you don't understand yeah. him, but he has human like intelligence. You know, it's kind of a stand in for all kinds of cryptids and stuff like that. <clears throat> but in enslaved, the adaptation of Journey to the West, which is called Enslaved Odyssey to the West, it's very much about these two characters. And they don't gain allies along the way. It's a very Western Odyssey-like version of Journey to the West. And Interesting. Uh, yeah, and, and then, you know, uh, talking about Dino Xenon, now having that term Nakama that refers to all of these pilots of Dinazenon, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. And that's why uh, it's important that all of them, but Yomagi seem to be on the same page, even though they hardly knew each other beforehand. They have all kind of landed on the same, uh, the same goal, the same track. Yeah, Whereas, they just kind of get it. Yeah, like they're they're looking at they're all of them. You know, Gamma being the crazy who knew about this beforehand and sort of the mentor. Uh, you've got Minami who is suddenly taking interest in something for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, she she suddenly told her friend, you know, I, I have plans. I have somewhere I need to be, and she's like, "Really? That's not like you." Um, the yeah. uh, uh, the 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 deadbeat neat who's like. His cousin's like telling him, doesn't that or doesn't that technically mean you have a job? And he's like, I'm employed. <laughs> it's like, he, he has something to do almost. He has something to do. Minami has something she's interested in. 
Galma is, you know, the, um, what would you say? The, uh, the zealot. And then Yomagi is the one <laughs> who they, they say he wants to be independent. So mm-hmm. Yomagi, you know, wants to be independent from something. And it seems like he wants to be independent from the shared destiny he has with his Nakama. And he's the only one no. that isn't, that isn't just had a situation where it's like, Oh yes, finally, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life because Minami just went from a, like a, a crisis psychologically to, yeah, I'm going to go to pilot <laughs> practice. I think I found my purpose. I think I'm supposed to be a mech pilot. Man. I mean, that's a really good choice. If I could choose that, I would definitely it, become a mech pilot. If that just <laughs> fell into my lap. Like, I'm sorry. Spiral hour getting canceled. <laughs> Not going to be any more episodes. Like, I, sorry. Like, I know this is kind of a fun thing to do every week, but, uh, Mech pilot. I'm gonna go fly my. I'm gonna go fly my jet and connect it with all of my friends. <laughs> yeah, my that na- I've just met. My Nakama. <laughs> That's why they're Nakama. They're not friends. My Nakama. <laughs> it's, it's a different thing. Like uh, the uh, um, Naruto, Sasuke, and Sakura. They're not so much friends as they are Nakama. And the the um, what would you say in, in the dub? And I think the sub. The uh, closest analog that they're able to use is comrades but it sounds like it sounds like it's a very you know soldier in arms kind of thing where it's like we're in the same army Mm -hmm. but that's not what he's referring to because he includes people in different armies in his nakama like you know people from other Mm. villages where it's like yeah do you i mean if we got into a war we would be on opposite sides but naruto's considering them his nakama they have the same destiny walk the same path but yeah uh, yeah, I, r- I wrote down, it looks like there's, at least with Yomagi, the story is going to kind of be like expanding on why does he want to be a pendant, independent? What does that mean to him? And why is does he see being a part of this uh, kind of Earth defense force? Why does he see that as him not being independent? So, And like, why does he see it as it not important? Because yeah, like, it, it seems that he's just kind of like passive about the whole thing. Yeah. He's passive about his destiny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I do also want to point out that it had one of the just most charming moments that I've seen in anime for a very long time. And that was the sneeze. <clears throat> yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> this really feels like live action. Like, that's not yeah. the kind of stuff you see in animation. I, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I think animation always kind of leans on more punchy kind of stuff. Because movement is mm-hmm. what's so fun about animation. Things moving. Things literally being animated. But that was a moment where she says, wait a second, and pauses. And I think, like, two whole seconds go by. Where she's just, like, <laughs> yep. holding her finger up. And then she <laughs> sneezes. And it's like... I'm sure that saved a couple bucks on the animation, but it also was just like, <laughs> I've not seen that in an anime. Yeah, it was just like that. That was just super charming. Th- think of sneezes in Looney Tunes. They way over the top. They really animated, you know, the, the oh, yeah, you know, a uh, uh, big bad wolf sneezing down the entire uh, cottage of the three little pigs. 
Like just you know the, just, the big lean back of, and then the launch forward and everything gets blown away. Or or I think of like when uh, oh gosh I can't remember which character it was but they sneezed and when they sneezed it launched them back through the wall. <laughs> I don't remember what you're talking about, but I I mean I remember that I don't know what it was from. But yeah. right, I mean it could <laughs> have like, been any number of those characters. Yeah, it's like s- sneezes are hilarious for that reason in animation <laughs> because you could just animate the crap out of them and it's fun, but this was restrained about it and it was mm-hmm. just it was just charming really yeah. endearing you to minami after kind of setting her up as the person who's like really lame and hard to like yeah and the the smile that she had in that picture when she's running off to her purpose yeah yeah i mean i i it kind of seemed like it was going to be a situation where Yamogi is going to be the kind of boring person trying to get her to be interested in this, but they flipped it suddenly. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is more interesting. And I don't know why intuitively. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a good script. This is great direction, great storyboarding. Uh, it's just quality all around. I, I think the, the bad thing with trigger, especially uh, recommending things to people is that there's always some caveat in the back of my head where it's like, Oh, they might not be able to get past this or they might not like this. Like trigger really Mm. goes in on a vision, like uncompromising. If you don't like something about the vision. Yes. Yeah, me too. But if you don't like something about it, then you're just not going to like it. Like, right. I I, I recommend Promare to people with the caveat that you might not love it because Promare is made for people that would like Gurren Lagann hyper-concentrated into like an hour and a half. And uh, just, you know, the the really over-the-top direction and stuff some people think is Mm -hmm. brain-dead. Now, of course, I think those people are wrong. I think the better answer would be you just (laughs) don't like it. But uh, with this one, it's kind of like... Do you like do, do, do you like mechs? Do you like kaiju? Or do you like stuff like fully Cooly? or do you like uh I don't know, I, what would you call this this really like restrained kind of just it really likes to chew the scenery. Yeah, I what, I don't know what to call it. It's extremely confident, which is which is mm. odd because it's confident in a way trigger often isn't like trigger is very confident that y- you're, you, you know what you came for. Like just right. trigger almost kind of assumes the kind of person that is watching it to begin with already knows, you know why you came, but with uh Dino Xenon, it's like, it's, it's not weirdly enough. It doesn't feel like a trigger show, but it feels like a good show. So it's like a Mm -hmm. pleasant it's it's a pleasant surprise in that it's like, well, I didn't quite expect this exactly, but it's great. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, As far as the pillars, you know, you could say something to do with legacy where Yamogi seems to not be interested in this legacy that everyone else is. He's not interested in his destiny, per se. Uh, Cooperation versus coercion. Maybe not so much, but he doesn't seem to be interested in cooperation. To begin with, 
he's not a coercive supervillain, but he's not right. He's not sold on this group. <clears throat> yeah, I also do think that I think that the majority of the emphasis has been put on potential and like that, yeah. you know, your your destiny lying on the future is going to give you your the manifestation of your potential. It's like once you see, oh, there's a purpose that I have, it's like that's when you'll start just explosively moving. Yeah, I mean, that's the effect that it has had on the other two pilots that aren't Gamma, who mm-hmm. already, you know, this is his thing. He introduces himself as what he does. He's like, I'm a, tr- right. I'm a kaiju user. Uh, which, by the way, we didn't talk about the, those folk. The villains being introduced and uh how they oh yeah they kind of it didn't look like they created the kaiju they they knew Mm-mm. it was gonna it show looks up like they took it over yeah but but they like knew it was coming and then the little thing they did with their hand which uh mm-hmm. galma tried to do in the first episode to the other one he's like it's useless my powers aren't working or whatever so galma might be you know a, a the kind of punished snake character where you know he got betrayed by his former army or whatever so Maybe he was yeah. formerly a villain, formerly part of this group, and he got betrayed, and now he's now he's seen the light, so he's big boss in it. But uh, <laughs> th- these characters, I'm like, man, these are good designs, and I know nothing about them. It was like, I liked every design of the four villains, but their personalities all blend together. Like, even to the point yeah. where the what you would think would be the stoic glasses guy is having, you know, a how dare you kind of villain response. Like he's, they're all kind of fired up and I'm like, ah, maybe that's just trigger being trigger. But um, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like the four Davis from uh, Kill a Kill who were all very different people with right. some of the best character design ever seen. But uh, maybe talk re- about s- recognizable silhouettes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the four Davis from Kill a Kill, which sometimes they were translated as the Elite Four. I can't remember which one is which, but the Elite Four is from Pokemon. So I prefer the four Davis. Mm. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so uh, we not much to say about them either. I mean, I you know, we don't know their motives, why they're doing this or whatever. Kind of the same situation with Gridman, where it's like, why is this happening? But with Gridman, it was a totally right. different thing. You know, you had a... Well, I don't want to spoil it. If people haven't seen it. Go watch Gridman. Uh, yeah, but it's good. There's a, there's a good mystery. Yeah, Grid, huh. Gridman was more of a situation where it's like a select few people are noticing changes. And they're like, why is no one else noticing this? Whereas in Dinozenon... Man, people just seem to be like, this is just a way of life. As sometimes there's kaiju attacks. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like nonchalance to the fact that entire blocks were completely just leveled. Yeah, and, and Yomogi asks, "Is did this happen because we fought?" And Minami's like, "Yeah, but I think it would have been worse if we hadn't." And I was like, "That was in a it was an effective moment, but it was very shallow." Like, like, mm-hmm. are we gonna address that, or was that all we're getting? Where it's like addressing collateral. Uh, sometimes yeah, you I do, was, sometimes was, you don't. <laughs> I was interested to see if they were going to be like, yeah, oh, a bunch of people just died, but oh well. Yeah, whereas Gridman but, was all about that. Gridman, mm-hmm. I mean, in the first episode, the kind of hook at the end was, oh, these people are gone, but it's like they never existed. Yeah. 
It's like, what is going on there? And like, that was the whole draw for Gridman. It, it wasn't, you know, kaiju fights. It was, what in the world? Yeah. It was very much the explanation, you know, who was behind this, which they sort of reveal who's behind it, but you don't know why for the longest time. Like, very quickly, you get, this is your villain, this is the other villain, this is them cackling about how evil they are. But then they start teasing that there's like a motivation and a and a tragic backstory. And it's like, OK, now this is this is what I'm sold on. Whereas with Dinazenon, it's kind of. I don't know much about the villains. I haven't been given much of a reason to wonder why they're doing what they're doing, because right now mm-hmm. I'm kind of just sold on this uh, small group. And they're they're, uh, I guess them discovering what their purpose is yeah i am i am very excited for this season i'm assuming that it's only going to be like gridman like 12 episodes right i'm assuming so but let me check that out just to make sure (sighs) if so i mean man short sweet Tells its story and pieces out, and I, I, I love that. I love nothing more than that. Honestly, I mean, if you ha- if if I don't know anything about a show, but you tell me that, I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll give it a shot. So yeah, twelve episodes. <clears throat> also, I've noticed something. All right. Something about shows that have twelve episodes, they really want to hook you on episode one. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas something with twenty six. I think they assume they've got a little more breathing room because they're going to be on the TV longer. So there'll be an option for longer. Whereas the show that's only going to have like half that they seem to put a lot more emphasis in making you interested early. Whereas I mean, even with stuff that I would consider particularly good, sometimes they just really take their time at the start. Like I, I would say, I mean, Kitzniver. Like, go ahead. I was gonna say Jujutsu Kaisen, because uh, didn't it have? I mean, it had a really strong hook in that first episode. I, but then, I think it was a good hook. I don't know if it was particularly great. I, I was really sold much later. Like mm, when I consider okay. when I when I think of the thing that really got me for Kitsniver, it was quite a bit or not Kitsniver with for Jujutsu Kaisen it was quite a bit in and then with Kitsniver it was like episode one it was like oh that's crazy I love this premise I'm gonna keep watching twelve mm-hmm. uh, twelve episode series <clears throat> yeah I would say with Kill a Kill also- the main hook is episode three like if you aren't sold on the character design and the performances for the first two episodes it's really episode three that has to get you hmm because those first two episodes kind of have some pacing issues i would say uh, i think kill kills pacing overall is amazing but as far as the first two episodes there's stuff you forget that was there where it's like hmm. yeah we're spending a lot of time just kind of hanging out with mako and ryoko kind of haphazardly sort of investigating what happened to her father and then episode three happens and you establish okay ryoko and satsuki are going to fight and before they can really do that ryoko is going to fight everyone else so 
It's been so long since I've seen Kill a Kill. I need, we'll get there. I need to refresh. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, uh, that's all I can say for Dinazenon. We can probably move on yeah. to Nomad, which, gosh, man, you look at the intro and it's like, that is the title. The title is Nomad, but you yeah. Nomad turns up zero results on Funimation, which is the service yep. that is providing it. And it's like, do y'all not want people to find this? You have you if you search Megalobox two, you know what it gives you? Megalobox episode two. Right. So it's like okay, what you have to do. You have to search Megalobox. Megalobox, and then season two. Yeah, season two, and it's not even featured. Like you have to click on the on the tab, and I'm like, I see what y'all are gonna do. You're gonna wait until you get the dub episodes coming out, then you'll have it featured. But they're probably not going to fix those other issues where you just have to dig if it isn't on the featured page. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, as of this episode, episode two, this is a different show. This oh, is yeah. not what I was expecting. And I'm really excited for it. Uh, I was thinking, you know, it's a Logan situation. It It isn't mm-hmm. so much. It's kind of... Joe is becoming the mentor. He's becoming the trainer for the the new boxer who has something to fight for. And it's like, God, man, that ending of the episode, which I'm, you know, I'm kind of just jumping straight there because that was right. That was the most important part. I felt as much as I really enjoyed this episode. It was very easygoing. It it was once again, Mm -hmm. it, it was it was more fun, more funny than, uh, the first episode for sure. But um, I, I I loved the dynamic, the rapport that they established between Joe and all these new characters, in particular Chief, and how I yeah. I didn't know that the place it was going to go was the place it went at the very end. And I loved the kind of montage of putting shots together, where it's like him, it's Chief training. Uh, Joe's on his bike kind of pulling up and then it's kind of going back to Joe in that bathroom, just sort of cutting through those different places. And, you know, he, he asks, uh, he tells chief, you know, you said that, that, that you, you, uh, you can't seem to wake up. That you've from never that, woken up. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you can't seem to wake up from that dream that I, that I put in your head. And, and he's like, I guess I want to see how that dream ends. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wait, is Joe going to be the one training him? Like instead of what I thought it was going to be was, you know, it's going to be Joe versus Chief. This is going to be, you know, Chief is kind of the heel that, uh, get, you know, makes Joe kind of mad and gets him angry enough mm-hmm. to start trying again. But no, it's going to be Joe kind of found something. OK, he found someone who has something worth fighting for. So he's like. All right, I'll uh, you know hook up my trailer <laughs> onto this. See where this goes. I don't yeah. have anything else going for me. Uh, and yeah, in the moment where he's like on one condition, and he's like, "I know, no more drugs." And then it shows him dropping them down the sink, so like down the drain, so he can't go yep. crawling down the drain to get them back. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this I, it was I am so excited. good. Also, this show's music is so freaking good. <laughs> I know. And and just the grit, uh, the grit of everything. Also, wow. 
that kid's mom is hot. <laughs> the one who stole his bike when he shows up there and it's like, oh, okay. This might go somewhere. Although I'm not sure. I, they, it seems like they might be setting up something between her and Chief. Although maybe if they were going to get together, it would have already happened. So maybe it's yeah. something where Joe might have a romantic interest, which I'm like, all right, he hasn't had that before. I can dig that. I, yeah, I, I, it's I like, like you give him you give him somebody to. Oh, that was that was my that was my. I just reminded myself of what my favorite quote. Um, not necessarily a battle cry, my but battle it's cry the one that stuck what, with me. Yeah, my, my my battle cry was. I guess I want to see how that dream ends, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But that would, if I had to choose a battle cry, that would probably be it. But um, my the thing that stuck with me was when Chief said, um, I have a place to come home to so I can sleep or it doesn't matter where I sleep. Yeah, that was a good line. He was like, I, I, I can love, just sleep in the truck because I know I've got somewhere to come home to. Yeah, it's like I, I love that. Uh, and, and I mean, if <laughs> if it, the show goes in the direction of giving Joe uh, a love interest or I mean, like if he if he does have a love interest with that girl, then he'll pretty much have a built in family and that will give him yeah. a home right. and like a place to come home to. Yeah. And that's I, I didn't know it was going in this direction and I love it. And I like how the show is called Nomad. It being mm-hmm. him finding a new place to kind of put down roots. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about this. I I, I they did kind of reintroduce the mafia or whatever and I'm like, "Dang it, we're doing the mafia again, scumbags." <laughs> I was kind of, well, you wasn't know, the wasn't the mafia boss from the first one, wasn't he in the trailer for the second one? He was, yeah. So, yeah. He I don't I'm not even sure if it's the same mafia because you know, it might be somewhere else, different territory. But I can't wait for him to show back up. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm. Just because if we're getting more of him, there's got to be a good reason for it. <clears throat> yeah. Because he straight up walked right out of their life after what uh, the old man did. Like he Nando was like, did. yeah, he was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> I'll be seeing y'all. But uh, yeah. Uh, my my pop off was when he picked he picked the kid up by his collar, and the the other kids started, you know, squaring up a little bit, and he just looks at them mm-hmm. and they run off, and I was like, yeah, Joe's face terrifies children. <laughs> he's got the beard and the scars, and he's just like he, he's got that glare sort of hiding beneath all the hair, and it's just like okay, well we uh we should get out of here. Gosh, I, I we said this last time, but man, I love his redesign. It's so good. It, it's making it to where when they show flashbacks of his original, I'm like, yeah, that was nice, but this is better. <laughs> he hit some hard yeah, times, like, but boy, does he look better for it. In the in the intro, when it's um, you know, when it's superimposing Nomad over all of like the flashbacks of the first show. Yeah. It's like, man, he he was like a kid. Yeah, he, he looked very. Um, how would you say? He looked very fresh. Like he he was mm-hmm. he he was very. Uh, he he had a, a, a very youthful vigor, which you know they had those shots 
which they always cut to, which is like the wind kind of blowing into his face. And he's like, mm-hmm. kind of like he's facing something that can kill him and it's making him excited. Haven't seen that yet. We yeah. might get something like that later, or maybe we'll see it happen to someone else because that was kind of an iconic shot that people like to reference. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's totally absent so far. He, he doesn't have that, that sort of energy spark. Yeah. yeah he, he doesn't have the same, uh, um, well, he, I guess he doesn't have the same fire. Like he has the conviction, but not the fire. Like, you know, his whole yeah. thing where he's like, I don't do fixed fights. And it's like, yeah, that's a place where he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm settled into this. That's not happening again. But, you know, he you can also tell he may have settled into some other things never happening again. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, um, I uh, really like the premise of Joe becomes a mentor to chief, you know, a trainer for chief and maybe finds a place to put down new roots. I'm very much yeah. excited about that. And kind and I'm, of I'm glad that we didn't see that coming like that it just yeah. it just happened and it's just great. <laughs> yeah, I just huh. Come on. I figured it was just going to be Megalobox 2, but it isn't. That's why that's not the title. <laughs> it's a different right. story. Uh, I love it's it's more like Creed <laughs> than Rocky. Yeah, actually, it's like we went we, we, we time skipped every movie after Rocky one or no, let's mm-hmm. say after Rocky two, because it really okay. is Megalobox season one is Rocky one and two rolled together. And then we we get the uh, we're getting the combination of Rocky Balboa and Creed kind of put together because Rocky Balboa is, you know, him old disillusioned and maybe seeing if he could come back to it, but doing it in like the Creed where he, where he's coming back as a trainer instead. So yeah, yeah. uh, this show is fantastic. Uh, absolute, absolutely no disappointment. So far, like yep. the first one such a set such a high bar and you often I, 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 I was wondering, it's like, man, what's the point of making a sequel? That was so perfect. And it's like, well, this is the way to do it. And, and you know, I know that plenty of times I'm like, I got what they were going for and I understand mm-hmm. what they were going for in The Last Jedi but I yeah. really would have preferred Luke have been like this where it isn't, you know, an all or nothing big move at the end before you remove him from the movies right after he kind of, you know, gets his faith reinstated. It's kind of his faith isn't reinstated, but the training of the next person might reinstate it. And, you know, it's 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 curiosity is the reason he's giving. Like if you're going to do the. uh you know, the, the, the cynical war veteran in, in Luke Skywalker, the way Mm -hmm. to kind of get him back on the side of what he used to believe, I think should have taken longer and it shouldn't have just culminated with, all right, you're right. Time to use the rest of my power for this one big move. And then I'm done. Uh, 
This is know, way more in exciting. A, in, a, in a way, in a way, you kind of described Danny DeVito from Hercules. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> Joe is. J- Joe is Frank. <laughs> from Hercules. This is freaking Hercules. No man is just Hercules, but told mostly from the perspective of Frank. What? All right. Uh, I I am man. I'm in. <laughs> that that's fantastic. Oh like, yeah, that's awesome. It's it's anime boxer Hercules. I can dig it. By the way, Her- Hercules the Disney film, not the myth. Of course, they have very little in common. <laughs> yeah you know frank from the ancient grecian myth <laughs> right that, that uh, character we all remember played by danny devito <laughs> yeah okay so um I'll, also i like that uh we're definitely get gonna get a kind of sachio story with this new kid i can never remember his name i remember his mom's name but i can't remember my, him marla was my, her name my 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 no the the kid's name yeah i'm trying trying i don't remember the kid's name i I know it had an m and a and an i and i can't remember i thought it was it was a weird scene it took me a second to realize what in the heck happened which is like yeah no that's my bad that was actually a brilliant scene and felt like it is coming from something that's assuming you're an intelligent human being i just unfortunately at the time wasn't but it was after the kid steals his bike and that mm-hmm. like beggar like hints where he might be able to find him so then he drops him a coin and mm-hmm. for a second i was like joe you just got robbed you do not have the money to spare what are you doing <laughs> and then it was like oh right the guy was asking payment for information it's like that took yeah. me way too long to figure out and I felt like a doofus. And then looking back, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a great scene that like mm-hmm. feels like it was made to be appreciated by a grown up who doesn't need everything <laughs> explained to them. Yeah, this kind of anime is really refreshing because even with Dina Xenon, which I think is very well made and of the shows we're watching respects the viewer the second most. That's not to say my hero doesn't respect the viewer. It's just my hero is respecting the much younger viewer. Uh, right. Dina Xenon, you know, kind of maybe a little bit of a, a ratchet up from there where it's like, you know, this is look, seems like it's made for mid to older teens, maybe early 20s. And then Nomad just feels mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is this is for for grownups this is and, and it's you know not not necessarily in the content but in the storytelling is assuming you have half a brain like you've had some life yeah. experience you've had experience in the real world you can understand some of what's going on here yeah when i started it up on hulu it actually gave a tv mature warning in front of it and i was like huh i can understand that just from the language level Mm-hmm. like they uh they use the swears. They use they use the good old fashioned swear words. The swears, and uh, I'm assuming things are going to get pretty bloody, especially with the uh, the mafia involved. Also, there's the drugs, the drug abuse. That's probably yeah, hard to put. Probably hard to put in TV 14. Yeah, that that that's kind of like the uh, the the smoking thing that was going on with um, what was it the mid mid two thousands rated R movies. It was like 
the movie wouldn't have been rated R, but the character's smoking, so it's like now the movie's rated R. Really? Was that a thing? Smoke? You don't remember that being a thing? I, 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 I mean, I was, believe you. I just didn't... I, I guess I never noticed it. Just because mid-2000s, was, I was... Gosh, the only R-rated really, movie movies I was watching was because they were violent and had swear words, and I was like... <laughs> there was like something uh, going on where it's like... The movie, yes, it had like language and things like that, but it's like it wouldn't it wouldn't have been rated R material. But then it was like the cigarettes pushed it over the edge because it was drug use. That sounds like a 70s or 80s thing. I can't believe that that I happened. I feel in the like aughts. it was like I, feel I, be- like it I was... believe it. I believe it. I'm just saying that seems like such a late time to have a controversy like that. I do yeah. remember that there was like an R-rated movie that was totally inoffensive and was a really good movie, but it was rated R because there were three F-words and they were not willing to budge on it. Like they wanted to hmm. leave the three F-words in the script. It was a pretty sweary movie overall, but there was nothing as far as like violence or nudity or, or anything like that. Or even like the subject matter wasn't even intense. It was just, there was a few too many F-bombs. So they like gave it an R rating and the MPAA or whatever. And the, uh, the, I guess the creators of the movie just weren't willing to budge. So it's like, yeah, um, not a lot of people saw the movie. What movie was it? I'm trying to remember. I can't. It might have been um, one of the, um, what's his face? That dude that likes to shoot things straight on. Wes Anderson. It might have been a Wes Anderson film, uh, but I'm not going to remember which one off the top of my head. That was, uh, oh, I mean, that was a while back. That was before I was like actively deciding I wanted to be interested in movies. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I haven't really watched very many of Wes Anderson's films. Uh, he's he's good. He makes really good movies, I would say. I've watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. I've That's watched, a really good movie. Uh, Isle of Dogs. I've watched his, his stop motion <laughs> movie. He makes really good stop motion movies. And, and it's not like but I have. A, it's not like you're getting diet Wes Anderson. It's like you watch one of his live action ones. They look like his stop motion ones. Yes. Like the way I, he I lights still things. Have yet to see. The Grand Budapest Hotel is a good one. <laughs> That that was the one I was just about to say. I have yet to see. Um, That's kind of the, I also the starting didn't see point. The one with the the the. I just know it because it has Bill Murray and he's wearing a hat, and so does uh, what's his name, Willem Dafoe. I don't know what the movie is, but I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> Bill Murray's in a few of them, so doesn't narrow it down much. Oh, okay. <laughs> I also haven't seen all of them. Uh, I saw Moonrise Kingdom, and was quite disappointed because. A lot of the critics were saying it was his best film yet, and I watched it, and I'm like, it's maybe fifth place. <laughs> I think at the time it was mm. my least favorite that I had seen of his, but it was just like oh, wow. everyone was puffing it up, like saying, oh, this is his masterpiece. And I watched it, and I was like, it was okay. It had a great cast. Like Edward Norton, Bill Murray, mm. uh, uh, freaking what's her name? That lady with a cool-sounding name that I can never remember. Um, yeah, her. Yeah, did I say Bruce Willis? <laughs> Bruce Willis was in it. No, you didn't. That what? Yeah, Bruce Willis was in it, and he he was not Bruce Willis. 
he, he was he played hmm. a character other than Bruce Willis, and it was he did a good job, which is really frustrating because it's like Bruce, I love you when you were yourself, of course, but you got more range that I wish you'd flex. Let's see, <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom. I gotta figure out this lady's name. Wow, that's from 2012. That's wild. Frances McDormand. Her. Yeah, she's in it. She was great. Also, yeah, and Tilda Swinton was in it. Oh my gosh. This was a banger cast. I think, I mean, the the, the acting is the best part of Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But as far as visuals, his previous stuff is just, God, man, it's it's incredible how how good it looks. He definitely has such a recognizable style, especially when it comes to line delivery and like yeah. the writing. He, Everything you can tell is Wes Anderson. He keeps things very centered. He has a preferred wardrobe he likes people to wear. He really mm-hmm. likes red, gold, and teal. Yep. And I mean, heck, it's given him one of the it's given him a brand. So yeah, and he likes delivery that sounds like this. Yeah, but like I'd say, Moonrise (laughs) Moonrise Kingdom is a great movie, but uh, he's made a lot of good movies. So honestly, which one was the one about the kid and like the Boy Scouts? Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. So did that also have? I may be thinking of (laughs) um, JoJo. but um, Sam Rockwell, I, f- I thought that he was in Moonrise Kingdom, but he may have just only been in Jojo. Jojo Rabbit? Yeah. God, what a phenomenal movie. Sam Rockwell wasn't in <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, but he was oh, okay, okay. phenomenal in Jojo Rabbit. Yes, he was. The part with... with <laughs> I, I guess I shouldn't spoil that. If y'all haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, go see it. I don't want to spoil it. Go watch Jojo Rabbit. You know which Rabbit. moment it's I'm so talking good. about where he comes out and he's got the <clears throat> the look. And yes. it's like all in slow-mo. And I was like, gosh, man, how are you making me root for this guy right now? <laughs> but uh, yeah, great movie. Uh, and great freaking anime that we're watching right now. This is all good stuff. Uh, yeah, was, uh, uh, well, Back Arrow, Back Arrow exists, is inoffensive and it's yeah. fun. Yeah, <laughs> the, we have we have a everything big, else though. Yeah, we have a big three right now, and it's definitely Nomad, Dinazenon, and My Hero. And honestly, the mm-hmm. fact that I'm getting more excited and invested in Dinazenon than I had ever expected is just like man. And I knew I was gonna love Nomad and My Hero. Mm-hmm. This is anime. Yeah. Anime isn't. Anime is in such a good spot, especially compared to anything going on over here, dude. Like, what do I have to look forward yeah. to? Godzilla versus Kong and Mortal Kombat. My gosh, really? That's all I've got. All that's interesting me. People, I, people got excited yeah. for the Invincible adaptation or whatever. Uh, I know I knew nothing about Invincible. It was a comic book that is not in DC or Marvel. But uh, someone shared what they considered the best clip, and it's like, oh, it's just the boys, but animated. It's like I'm so sick yes, of that story. That I'm- is ex- that is exactly what it is, and I I I'm watching it just to see where it goes. But it's like I'm sick of 
like things interesting me only at a surface level. And it's like, yeah, I'll catch it on when it's on. But I, I'm I mean, just, you I'm can't just, really catch things on when there's no live TV. I, I'm just sick of edgy. I'm just, I'm just I'm over it. I'm, I'm out of that phase of my life. It just doesn't inter- yeah. interest me at all. Like yep. uh, people just gushing over the uh, the violence. And I'm like, oh, but is the story any good? And I couldn't get anyone to say anything about the story. Just that it was the incredibly sto- violent. The story has potential, even though they're leaning on that. What if Superman was bad crutch? Yeah. Um, and Which is another thing I'm super sick and tired of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I am absolutely sick of, sick of more sick of evil Superman than uh, just edge in general. It's like that thing in particular. I really don't have the time for. I had something spoiled for me about Invincible that it, you you may want to bleep this out. This is just for us to talk about. But apparently the, the bad Superman, apparently. <laughs> and so I'm I'm interested to see if that happens within the span of the show. If it doesn't, I'm probably not going to continue it. But yeah, it's just I when when I was watching it, the I am found that i am not a fan of hyper violent cartoons yeah and because it's like when i'm watching a show or a movie or like when i watch the boys like the boys is hyper violent and like you know gory and whatever but it's like my brain when i see the gore it's like oh that's cgi somebody didn't get like you know completely splattered but when i'm watching a cartoon my brain is like oh well the gore is also cartoon so pretty much this is all live action (laughs) and it disturbs me just as much huh that's interesting i yeah so that that might be my reaction to it i just didn't think about it but uh when it comes to violence in things it's like the raid 2 is hyper violent but Mm -hmm. but the raid 2 it's almost in the context of something that just is going to be violent. Yes. Whereas there's <clears throat> some things like, I don't know. It just, the boys just feels dishonest to me mm-hmm. where it just seems like it's violent because it's not supposed to be. And that's what makes it so over the top. Like whereas, it's a subversion. Yes. Whereas in glorious bastards, it's like, yeah, old timey Nazi killing. It's like we're gonna make it as violent as can be. You know, we're gonna show you a very uncomfortably detailed shot of Hugo Stiglitz slitting a dude's throat, and it's like, yeesh. Yeah. But it's in the context of like, you know, this is just a brutal group of Allied soldiers that just kind of got unleashed in this part of Europe during World War Two. Um, yeah. It, it was definitely like the um, the the first scene. In fact, I'm assuming that this is the scene that that person showed you um, th- that shows all this hyper violence. Yeah. Uh, in Invincible is at the tail end of the first episode. And if I'm remembering correctly, there's like no hyper violence up to that point. It's like a it's like a Justice League movie. Like, you know, there's a little bit of blood like. Um, and invincible, uh, like a, a character who's bulletproof gets shot in the eye and like, oh, now their eye is closed and bleeding. Um, and so it's like, 
it's like, oh, okay, it's like a Justice League movie, and then that scene happens at the end, and it just feels like it's there for subversion. It's like, oh, you didn't expect that, did you? Now there's brains everywhere, and you're yeah. really uncomfortable because you were eating chicken wings while you were watching this movie. And right. it's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, like, contrasting that with other violent superhero things, it's like comparing it to something like Kick-Ass, where you've mm-hmm. got... It's it's violent, but it's also weirdly restrained in places where it's like there's not a lot of gore, but there's a lot of pain. Like the yes. thing Kickass was trying to get across is this is a normal dude who's trying to be a vigilante by just using batons. So he's just getting into street fights and he's just getting pounded like just like he he's his nose is getting busted he's bleeding from everywhere there's holes in his suit from just the the beatdowns he's getting and then uh and then he gets hit by a car yeah, yeah. <laughs> god that was so funny but it's like he's just you know he has to have that surgery where he's, they're like you're like Wolverine dude or he like has to have all that metal put in from all the, the right. injuries he got but then you before you get to where things get really violent you get the establishment that this is a mafia film and they showed the mafia guys doing the mafia thing. And then it's so it's once the violence arrives, it's not subversive because they've set this, these stakes up, right? They've set it up. And then the part that was subversive, but it was subversive in a way that I think was effective was the kind of, this guy's crazy and he's turned his kid into a child soldier. Yeah. Where it's like, it's, it's goofy the way that like Nicholas Cage acts. It's really out of place while he's basically, mm-hmm. you know, he's the punisher, but he's pretending like he's Batman. <clears throat> right. Uh, but in that scene, like that, that security cam footage where it's like that long tracking shot of him just moving through those goons and just kind of dispatching mm-hmm. them. None of it is gratuitously violent. He's kind of, you know, giving them, you know, two in the chest, one in the head or, you know, uh, kind of throwing them down, shooting them in the head. And it's almost like off camera. Whereas mm-hmm. with that scene in Invincible, it seemed like the entire point of the scene was to just make it as gratuitous and as violent as possible and to make sure right. that he kills them all in different ways so that it's yeah, like it's just like how much parade. different kind of gore can we put on the screen right now here's the thing i i am participating in contradiction here because man do i love mad world like <laughs> i love mad world as a video game and i and i love the gamification of creatively dispatching enemies like it's just a really fun game where it's like like bullet storm as well Right. Well, and Bulletstorm is way less uh, true. Gratuitous. Like Mad World is very much the glorification of violence because he is on a death game where you are awarded points based on the creative and spectacular ways you kill people. And the the message of Mad World is that people don't change. <laughs> like, that's the the final message. And it's like, whoo, yeah, that's very dark. I don't endorse it, but it was, you know, it's something that they committed to. And uh, it made right. sense. And uh, But it also didn't surprise you when it happened. 
Yeah, nah, it really didn't. I mean, right off the bat, Mad World starts off very violent and uh, very dystopian and hopeless. Uh, yeah. And, you know, just the scoring system being don't kill them too fast. That wouldn't be any fun. Like, that's the entire, uh, uh, I guess, what would you say? The philosophy behind how points are awarded in Mad World. <laughs> uh, with the, I just remember the the barrel over the head and then the signposts through the barrel. Yeah, and like you could skewer them like three times through the barrel and they're like kind of hobbling around all days. Then you can pick them up, walk over to a train which has spikes on the side and repeatedly smash them on the spike before like <laughs> slamming them Lord. on it and they stay there. Yeah, no. Very, very <laughs> gratuitous. Very just like in uh, I think uh, one of the commentators, which, you know, it has comedy improv commentators over it. Doing, which is hysterical you know, that the, that happened. Yeah. It's like, man, I wish that would show up in any other game. It's such a fun idea. But uh, them talking about like just other disgusting things that they have gone through where they're talking about like uh, the, the health pickups are drugs. It's like painkillers. They're called happy pills. <laughs> and one of the commentators <laughs> talks about, he's like, I find that those are best enjoyed when ground up and injected into the folds of your scrotum. <laughs> and then the commentator was like, I find that I find that that's the case with almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> uh, Lord. yeah I, I guess it's just it, it's something about it that I don't really have words to put to. Like I, it's it's not a thing where I can across the board just say no. I don't enjoy gratuitous gore and violence and things, but I really don't enjoy it in some things. And it might I think just it's be the, the the gore and the blood and the violence <laughs> that tries to surprise you. It's like, oh, you were expecting Justice League. No, you got freaking Mad World. I can't sure Mad World. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's like, despite me really loving Mad World, I never enjoyed stuff like Happy Tree Friends. Never oh, enjoyed yeah, it. Gosh, uh, no. I, I, I always really uh. didn't like it. Even though, you know, I, I I would watch something like, I don't know, Braveheart, where you know you see people's faces get caved in. And it's uncomfortably diff- or uncomfortably detailed. It's like, no, I, I enjoy that more. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's inconsistent, but. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I guess it does just kind of come down to if it's trying to be funny about it, then I don't like it so much. Then again, I mean, I, I thought there was plenty of violent scenes in the Boondock Saints, which were funny. That's true. So, yeah, I, 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 th- I think it just comes down to the subversiveness. Yeah, yeah, I don't love subversion, even though I'm like one of the only people that's like, no, I, I get what The Last Jedi was going for. <laughs> I'm like one of the only people that that like I know that have similar tastes to me. That's like, I'll go to bat for The Last Jedi. Maybe it's just because I'm being a, tr- a contrarian. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> uh, I think that sums up everything we got to talk about. What yeah. g- what got us on? Invincible. I was talking about, yeah, anime is in a great spot versus everything in America right now. Like, yeah, everything's just kind of like, uh, yeah, these things exist. Though I keep hearing the animated DC films are still pretty good. The problem is 
those are going to run out of good source material, and then they're going to start adapting recent source material. And the recent yes. DC source material is hot garbage. Like, uh, it, like the the defining, the, like the turning point is when Tom King decided to stop being a good writer. Mm. Like he was supposedly making one of the best Batman's run ever, Batman runs ever, and then for whatever reason they're like this is the turning point where he just decided to never write a good book ever again and to like one up himself on how bad it could get so gosh yeah and unfortunately the dc animated films are going to run out of the good material and they'll they're going to have to start going for the scraps which you know maybe they'll try to fix them per se but fixing them would not necessarily be politically correct in a few places so Mm. Yeah, uh, anime Hooray! good. Hooray for Japan having a culture that is almost completely divorced from America's, from the worst parts of America's culture. So yes, yeah. Um, looking forward to next week. <clears throat> yep. So episode fifteen of, um, what's it called? Uh, Back Arrow episode four, four of, of my, my hero. hero, and then three of Dinazenon and Nomad. And Nomad, yep. Uh, I also wanted to say, the cellar is a mystery box. That is all. Um, see y'all next week. <laughs> uh, go beyond plus ultra. I was right.